open up, and before I get into the sermon tonight, I don't ever want to stand behind this pulpit and miss an opportunity to just say thank you to the church. My statement for the last four years that we've been here at Clay's Mill, we've always we've always loved ministry, but I don't know if we've ever loved ministry any more than being a part of this church and uh, I just want to say thank you church not only for welcoming uh, Nikita and me into this church family uh, but thank you for loving us and your investment in us um, I don't say this in a belittling way whatsoever but I, I, want, I want to thank so many uh, older couples who have treated Nikita like your daughter and in, have invited her to sit with you in services when I'm gone and uh, you've even had her over for meals. Um, you've never had me over for meals, but, uh, but, but we'll, we'll get past that, amen. But anyway, I, I appreciate you being so good to uh, not only to me, but to my wife. Um, so many of you have, have, and I appreciate the church. Uh, so many of you have definitely in the last month or six weeks has uh, been dealing with our parents. Uh, so many of you have reached out to just let us know that you're praying for us and you're thinking about us, and we certainly appreciate that. Uh, so many people are overwhelmed in the bad things that are going on in the world. I, I'm just overwhelmed in God's goodness. And um, eight or nine years ago when I had the privilege of uh, preaching with Preacher for the first time, I never in my imagination thought uh, that I could be so blessed for him to be my pastor and this to be my church and to be sent out of here in evangelism. Uh, I'm in a different church every week, and I'm around a different pastor every week. Uh, but no church is like my church. No pastor is like my pastor. And I, and I just want to express my love to you, and I just want to say thank you, church, for uh, being so good and so kind to us. Uh, I want you to turn your Bibles to James in chapter number 5 tonight. James in chapter number 5. I want to begin reading in verse number 17. James in chapter number 5. We'll begin reading in verse number 17. I'll read two verses here. The Bible says, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Now let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, again we come to you this, this, this evening thanking you, Lord, for being so good to us. Lord, thank you, Lord, that you're not only uh, a God that sits on his throne tonight, not only are you our Father, we are your children that are saved. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are a prayer-answering God. And dear God, we do come to you this evening. Lord, I pray that you'd bring a holy hush upon this place. I pray that you'd speak to hearts only like you can. And Lord, we'll thank you for all that you do. In your precious name, I pray. Amen. I want to start the message off tonight. I want to ask all of us two questions. The first question, I would like to see a response with an uplifted hand. The second question, maybe just answer this question in your own heart. 
I, I wonder who would say tonight, Brother Dallas, I, I believe with all my heart that I serve a prayer-answering God. How many of us would say that tonight? You can lower your hands. Second question, you can answer this in your own heart. When's the last time God's answered one of your prayers? What if you knew tonight that you could have a powerful prayer life like the prophet Elijah? What if you knew tonight that your prayers could accomplish mighty and miraculous things like it did in the life of Elijah? And I believe tonight that's the truth that James is giving us towards the close of his letter. We find the latter part of James chapter 5 and verse number 16. It connects us with verse number 17 and 18. And James said, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We find that James illustrates this great promise with the prophet Elijah. And he gives every one of us hope that we can pray with the same kind of power that Elijah did. Tonight, if you're here, maybe you feel like that you're weak in prayer. Or maybe somebody would refer to you as a prayer warrior. This text tonight offers each and every one of us instruction and encouragement for every one of our prayer lives. If you and I are going to have a powerful prayer life like the prophet Elijah and have effective praying, there are some things that James gives to us here in this passage. If you are taking uh, uh, notes tonight, big point number one is this. Uh, thank God for it, it, it too. Uh, number one is this. Answered prayer is not in talent. Answered prayer is not in talent. Nikita and I have been married now for these last 15 years and for these last 15 years, she's tried to get me to go to uh, uh, amusement parks. And I absolutely hate amusement parks, amen. But I, I do love my wife. And I'll never go to another amusement park with Brother Davis, I promise you that. But anyway, I, I, uh, I, uh, I, I don't like amusement parks, but I love my wife, so I've gone to a few amusement parks. And every time I've gone, she always wants me to sit down and she wants the lady or the man to draw a portrait of her and I make us look like cartoon characters that I've never given in until this last summer. But when I see somebody draw a portrait, there's no, I can't even draw a stick, man, but when I see somebody draw a portrait, there's no doubt that they have an unusual gift to draw that portrait. When I hear somebody sing, like I've heard the choir and special music today and the music that we get to hear at Clay's Mill Baptist Church, uh, uh, when I hear somebody sing with a beautiful voice, there's no doubt that they have a wonderful gift to sing that song. But I think at times we are tempted to look at people who seem to be strong in prayer and suppose that they have some spiritual talent above and beyond what we could ever possess. But James assures us that that's not the case at all. I want you to look at verse number 17. He said, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. That name Elias is the Greek name for the Old Testament hero, Elijah the prophet. And James uses Elijah to encourage every one of us in our prayer lives. If you are taking points, letter A, under big point number one, where answered prayer is not a result of talent, I want us to first of all consider Elijah's character. 
I believe tonight if, uh, if ancient Israel had a Mount Rushmore, along with Abraham and Moses and David, there would probably be carved the face of Elijah, that prophet. Elijah's story to me is one of the most fascinating stories in all the Bible. And the tales of all of his exploits are nothing short of amazing. I want you to just consider just a little bit of this man's religious resume. We find that Elijah, he raised up the widow's son from the dead. Elijah embarrassed the prophets on, on Baal, uh, of Baal on Mount Carmel, causing wet wood to catch fire. Elijah had meals personally catered by ravens when he was exiled by the brook. On another occasion, Elijah lived for 40 days on one single meal. Elijah outran King Ahab's chariot from Mount Carmel to Jezreel. Elijah parted the Jordan River and crossed over it on dry ground. And at the end of his life, rather than dying, he was carried to heaven in a fiery chariot. In the New Testament, Elijah appears again on the Mount of Transfiguration talking with Moses and Jesus. And it's hard for me to imagine a life more exciting and a character more fascinating than Elijah whom James references in our text. Somebody may be saying, well, Brother Dallas, how is somebody as extraordinary as Elijah supposed to encourage me in my prayer life? Well, I'm glad you asked because not only do I see Elijah's character, but number two in these verses, I see that Elijah was a common man just like you and me. Look at verse number 17. The Bible says Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. Notice that phrase, like passions. It essentially means of the same nature or the same sufferings. In other words, though Elijah's life was spectacular, he was still just a man like you and me. I love what one commentator I read about this said. He said, James is not using some kind of superman, some biological or spiritual giant to help in making his point. Instead, he's using somebody just like you and me. You understand Elijah was a man whose life was filled with miracles and mighty deeds. Yet James indicates that the secret to the amazing life was not that Elijah was equipped with a special skill or an unusual ability. The, 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 the amazing thing about Elijah was the one that he was depending on to answer his prayer. Amen. The Bible says Elijah was a, a man subject to like passions as we are and he prayed. You understand Elijah was a flawed and a fallen human being just like all of us tonight yet he prayed to God. There's no special talent with the access granted to every one of us by Jesus, every believer has the ability to pray with power. The point James is trying to make to us in this text is that we don't have to be perfect to pray. Flawed people like Elijah and like all of us have the opportunity and the ability to accomplish mighty things through prayer. Can I say tonight, dear child of God, I don't care what circumstances in your life, can I tell you we serve a God that can get us through those circumstances. You and I can pray like a prophet. 
you and I can have effective praying because prayer is not in some special talent. Uh, and I'm glad to testify to you tonight as I've read the word of God. We serve a God tonight that's not a respecter of persons. Uh, and he doesn't love Brother Elijah more than he loves you uh, and more than he loves me. Uh, and the same God that answered Elijah's prayer is the same God that answered your prayer and my prayer as well. May we all be reminded. How many of us are saved by the good grace of God? Amen. May we be reminded the most supernatural prayer that God will ever answer in any of our lives was the day that we called upon His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to save our soul. And the same great big God of heaven that answered that prayer is the same great big God of heaven that will answer the needs that come along this journey called life as well. First of all, big point number one, powerful praying is not in talent. Big point number two, powerful praying does take some toil. While prayer is not some sort of supernatural ability possessed by only a few saints, that doesn't mean that it's easy work. While every believer can pray with power and effectiveness, we all know that very few actually do. The old saying is certainly true of prayer. If it were easy, everybody would be doing it. But I thank God tonight, my friend, when you and I may call a spouse, when we may call a parent, when we may call a dear friend of ours and they don't answer the phone, I'm glad the phone line in heaven is never busy, my friend. Thank God tonight, sweet our prayer doesn't have to be a song that we just sing every six months in a church service. Thank God tonight, sweet our prayer can be a reality in every one of our lives. You and I can have power in our prayer. We can have effective praying, but we need to know that prayer is hard work. It's not a simple task. What is it that makes prayer such hard work? Well, James points out this to us in our text. Look at verse number 16. He said, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. He said, Fervent. Can I say... Number one, we got to understand it takes passion in order to have a powerful prayer life. That word translated effectual there gives us our English word for energy or energetic. It literally means to work or to be active. It's that active, energetic praying that was practiced by Elijah the prophet. And James says in verse number 17, uh, he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. Uh, what James literally says is uh, that Elijah prayed with passion, which was a way in the Greek language of describing uh, the intensity of his prayer. Can I say tonight, my friend, we pray for revival in America, but we're so, uh, we're, we're so uh, uh, not passionate, my friend. The Bible, uh, you cannot and I cannot be effective in praying uh, or pray like a prophet as long as we offer to God shallow and sleepy and stoic and still prayers with no heart and no passion. You said, Brother Dallas, I don't believe you have to be intense in your prayer. Could I tell you that night somebody told me I didn't have to go to hell, but I go to heaven. Can I say I prayed out to God with some passion, amen. And I'm glad tonight as a blood-bought child of God that's not the only prayer that God wants to answer in our lives. As Nikita and I stayed there in Memphis for over four weeks, Day in and day out, 
we would pass by that rest area that I once lived in. I don't say this to bring glamour to sinner Satan, but we would pass by that rest area day in and day out that I once lived at in as a dope addict in my car. And I understand tonight I ultimately owe everything to God, but I thank God I had a mama that prayed with passion and begged the God of heaven not to let her boy go to hell. Can I say when the Lord prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane just before he went to the cross for our sin, Luke tells us that being in agony he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. The writer of Hebrews says that Jesus offered up prayers and supplication with strong crying and tears. In other words, our Lord prayed with passion. For many people, their prayers are more like the lyrics to a song that they have memorized than the fervent cries of a desperate soul. We have a many of people in this world today, they pray they're our fathers. They pray they're Hail Marys. They pray they're dear Lords every day. And they do it with the same passion that they order their meal with in the drive-thru. Prevailing prayer, effective praying, having a powerful prayer life is no simple task. It does take hard work. Turn your Bibles uh, to Matthew chapter number 6. Matthew chapter number 6. Perhaps some of you have heard me give this illustration before. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 6 is one of my favorite verses on prayer. The Bible says in verse number 6, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. You know, when God is telling us to enter into our closet, He's not talking about a place where clothes were hanging from the top to the bottom. He's talking about a designated place each and every day. That closet could be your chair in your bedroom. That closet can be the love seat in your living room. That closet can be your drive on the way to work. God's just saying, I desire to meet with you every day. I wish your desire was to meet with me. And then when God says, shut thy door, in today's vernacular, he means shut the cell phones off. Shut the computers off. Shut every other form of communication off. And just spend time with me. Many of God's children, we can quote Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. And everybody always wants to know, well, what are these things that shall be added unto you? Well, according to the context of the scripture, it means clothes on our back. It means shoes on our feet. It means food on our table. And I believe we in America, we have it all backwards. We're seeking those things that shall be given unto us instead of seeking the righteousness of an almighty God in heaven. Can I say not only does it take passion, But look at verse number 16 again with me. Look at James chapter number 4. James chapter number 5. Look at verse number 16. James chapter 5 and verse number 16. The Bible says, Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a 
righteous man availeth much. Can I say not only does it take passion, but it's going to take some purity in order to have a powerful prayer life. You understand, we're not going to be able to go to God in prayer and expect God to hear our, or answer our prayer. The Bible says in Psalm 66 and verse number 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And child of God, can I say, we're not going to be able to go as a dirty vessel. Can I say, when we got that phone call over five weeks ago and we began to drive through the night from Lexington to Memphis, I thank God I didn't have to spend the first four hours getting clean before God. I want to be clean so I can enter into the presence of God. Child of God, I've got prayer requests just like you've got prayer requests. And there's not a one of us that can afford for God to give a deaf ear to our prayer because of sin in our life. Not only does it take passion, not, don't, not only does it take purity, but look at verse number 18. The Bible says, and he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain. And the earth brought forth her fruit. Can I say under powerful praying takes toll. It takes, it, 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 it takes a passion. It takes purity. But lastly it takes some persistence. The actual account of the prayer James references in that verse is found at the close of 1 Kings chapter 18 verse number 42 and 43. We find that Elijah was praying for God to end the drought and send the rain and as he prayed, he expected there to be some sign of the coming rain. So he sent his servant to check the sky over the sea. Six times that servant came back and said, I don't see anything. I don't even see a cloud. Yet the Bible says that Elijah sent him back each time and kept praying until finally he saw some evidence of rain. In other words, Elijah was persistent in his prayer. He didn't give up when God did not immediately answer his request. He kept praying. I believe many times we as God's children we often think that prayer works like everything else in our microwavable high speed internet instant society we want answers now but many times God moves in a different pace and we must persist in our prayers our problem is not praying too long our problem is we give up too soon and thereby we miss the power of persistent prayer one of my dearest friends on earth, many of you may never meet him this side of eternity. His name is Brother Matt Molinax. Matt Molinax is the son-in-law to a dear preacher friend of mine, Brother J.D. Weedo. Matt Molinax and his family were at the Roloff homes. They worked there on staff when he was a young boy. When Brother Weedo started the church there in El Dorado, Arkansas, the Molinax family moved to El Dorado to help Brother Weedo start the church. The Molinax boys, they entered into the Christian school there, and almost immediately, Matt caught the eye of Brother Weedo's oldest daughter, Janine. Finally, after a little while of time, Brother Weedo put a stop to it, and he thought he did. And they began to write letters back and forth to one another, Long story short, after they both turned 18 years old, Matt came to the house one night in the middle of the night. Janine snuck out the window. They went to a nearby county, and both of them got married against Brother Weedo's will. 
Janine, after a couple of years, she was already saved, but after a couple of years, the Holy Spirit of God began to deal with her heart. And she came to a church service one Sunday morning, and even before the service was over, that Sunday morning, she fell under Holy Spirit conviction. She came down to an old-fashioned altar, and there that day, she got right with God, she got right with the church, she got right with her family. Matt wasn't so quick to be on board. Matter of fact, Matt just began to continually go downward in sin. He began to use drugs, and he began to go to bars and just to pick a fight with someone, and his life just got so messed up and so uh, uh, just, uh, uh, just torn and tattered by sin. Matter of fact, Matt got so wicked in his sin that he began to look and see who the most wicked person on the face of the earth was at that time. And the only person he could come, that would come to his mind was Ozzy Osbourne. And he put the letters O-Z-Z-Y on his four fingers. And he's forever reminded of that even to this day. The principal of the school is Brother Weedow's brother. His name is Bob. Bob has been on staff there with Brother Weedow for the last 30 years. Brother Bob is absolutely, Brother Dalton would attest to this, he absolutely is a modern-day prayer warrior, prays three or four hours a day. He prays for me and Nikita every single day. For 14 years, Brother Bob, three times a day, would pray for Matt to come back to God. 14 years, three times a day. When the boys, when, it, when their, their kids begin to get older, especially the boys, Matt would give them the decision. They could make their own decision whether or not they wanted to go to church or whether or not they wanted to stay at home and watch Sunday football. Not that those boys were rebellious, but they loved Dad, and that some, many times they spent, spent time at home watching football with Dad. Matt, a few years ago, I guess it's probably been about seven or eight years ago now, Matt began to have some health problems. He began to have some heart trouble, and he was put off work, and he couldn't come back to work until a doctor released him to come back to work. And it was about a month before summer camp and his, his, his middle son, Roman, began to ask Dad and beg Dad would he come go to camp with him. And after a couple of weeks of just being persistent, asking Dad if he would come to camp with him, Matt finally told Roman, he said, Roman, he said, don't ask me anymore. He said, I'm not going to camp. He said, y'all can go to camp if you want to. He said, but that's not for me. I don't want anything to do with camp. He even was bold enough to say to his son, I don't even want anything to do with God. And he might have been able to stop Roman from asking him to come to camp, but he couldn't stop Roman from praying for him. And at church, when the preacher would ask anybody got any prayer requests, Roman would be the first one to raise his hand and say, I, I, I'd ask you to pray for my dad that somehow, some way, he'd go to camp. And the night of, right before they were getting ready to leave camp, Matt walked into his at Roman's room and said, Roman, he said, I'm going to pack my bags, I'm going to go to camp with you. He said, but I don't want you to ask me anymore about going to camp. He said, I'll go to camp with you. I'm not going to go to church when it's all over. He said, this is all I'm going to do for you. He went to camp that next, th that next day. He got on a bus with about 30 or 40 teenagers and young people and sponsors. And Matt sat there on the back row and just had his arms folded the entire service. There was a teen choir that got up one night before the preaching began, began to talk about the goodness of God and how the Spirit of God began to deal with Matt's heart three rows from the back of the church. Matt walked the aisle that, 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 that night 
at, at that teen service. And Brother Bob Weedo, the one that had been praying for him for 14 years, three times a day, uh, he was the first one to meet Matt at the altar, then Brother Weedo, and then uh, many others just began to pray for Matt. That's eight years ago, and let me tell you about Matt today. Matt, uh, he, he goes to the same jail cells that he once was locked up in, but he's not locked up anymore. He goes in there and preaches. Can I say Matt's the treasurer of the church preachers, Matt? Matt. Uh, uh, Matt's the treasurer of the church. Matt Matt uh, uh, ended up quitting that job, and he started his own business with nothing and uh, now uh, uh, has a multi-million dollar uh, business that he works. Uh, every uh, uh, He has about 20 employees that work for him. And uh, many times when Brother Weedo's out of town preaching, uh, Matt fills the pulpit, and he preaches the word of God uh, for Brother Weedo. Can I tell you, my friend, I'm going to tell you what we need. Uh, we just need to be pursuing in prayer and can I say tonight to some mom or dad that's got a wayward son or daughter and it rips your heart out because of their life they're living can I encourage you tonight don't give up praying don't give up weeping just keep on being persistent and praying for those prodigals I think about that new building over there I remember meeting with preacher before that building was even there and it was just a field we knelt there in that field and began to pray 16 or 17 times last year and about the same amount of times this year I get to preach with preacher. And I've been in a many of motel rooms as I've heard him weep and beg and ask God in prayer to provide the finances for that building. But I guarantee you more than I've heard him pray for the finances, I've heard him pray for the lost souls in this city. I've been with them in the motel rooms as he's prayed and begged and wept and asked God to provide the finances for the staff so they, can, so they wouldn't have to go without. I've heard him pray those prayers, but more than I've heard him pray those prayers, I've heard him pray for the little bus boys and bus girls so they wouldn't go without. Can I tell you, that building over there is because of prayer. This building is because of prayer. And you may say tonight, well, Brother Dallas, I just don't see very much victory in my life. Can I say tonight for you to, for some of us to be at the house of God on a Sunday night instead of where we used to be on a Sunday night, that is victory in Jesus, and it's a result of prayer. Not only is powerful praying not in talent, powerful praying is, does take some toil, and lastly, powerful praying is God's tool. It's God's tool. It's been well said. It seems that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures. We're far too easily pleased. I think one of the reasons that so many of us have ineffective praying is not because we're asking too much in prayer, but we're not asking enough. We're far too easily pleased with prayer as a small tool. Most of our prayers are for things that could feasibly happen whether God answers them or not. I'm not belittling prayer, but we pray, Lord, give us a good day. Help me get my work done. Keep my kids safe. Think about that. The way most of us use prayer is kind of like using a backhoe to plant flowers. It'll do the job, but it's designed for much bigger work than that. And lastly, as I finish tonight, I want you to see, I believe, I, I, I believe the three most powerful words in the entire context of the scriptures right here. 
I'll just be transparent with you tonight, and I believe I can be transparent with my church family. Especially the first two or three years in evangelism, there were so many people. I, I, don't, I guess because of the life that God saved me from and the ministry that God gave me to reach the prodigals, so many people would come up to me and say, Brother Dallas, I sure would appreciate it if you'd pray for this person and that person. And I was sincere when I would tell them, yes, I'll, I'll pray for them. But as soon as they left, it wasn't three minutes later, I forgot the name and I never prayed for them. I started not only praying for them right then and there, but I began to write their name down. You understand, thinking about praying, that's not praying. Intending on praying, that's not praying. Talking about praying, that's not praying. Here's the three most powerful words. Let's stand all across the building with your Bible in hand. Look at verse number 18. And he prayed. You want me to tell you what will bring America back to God? If you and I will make it a way of our life. And we prayed. Get on our knees before God. Humble ourselves. Pray and seek God's face. Turn from our wicked ways. Then... And only then he'll heal our land. I ask us this, this question. As the pianists go ahead and make their way, I ask us this question tonight. How many of us believe we serve a prayer answering God? When's the last time God's answered one of your prayers? If God has spoken to your heart tonight somewhere between your seat and this altar, why don't we spend a little bit of time with the Lord tonight as the pianists get ready tonight?